Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, it's game week. It's game week. I'm running laps around the house. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Um, I, I, I was even excited to watch like UCLA-Hawaii last Saturday, so I'm really excited for us. <laughs> For obviously Miami, Alabama, one of the marquee games of the weekend, but I'm just kind of in general excited for college football to be back. I'm excited to watch uh, UNC Virginia Tech with you on Friday from Atlanta. Oh, uh, definitely, for, for sure. I, even though I've even though I've got all these uh, journalists saying, "What are you doing Friday night?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching North Carolina game with David. Yeah. Yep, that that should be good. Um, uh, obviously we have a lot to get to this week uh it's kind of like the understatement of the year i guess uh miami alabama saturday 3 30 um we will do kind of like our in-depth preview of how miami can spring an upset the big matchups to watch all that kind of stuff we'll do that in the second half uh first let's kind of run through some of the news of the week obviously it all kind of pertains to alabama and, and i think the biggest the biggest question mark coming into the week and has been answered a little bit, I think, um, off of, you know, we saw about 20 minutes of practice on Tuesday. Obviously, we've talked to Manny Diaz twice. Um, Miami will still have a couple more practices between when we are recording uh, and when this airs. We're recording this Wednesday uh, evening. Um, but Zion Nelson, that was the biggest question coming into the week. What was up with him? We had not really seen him do too much in the in recent weeks. Um but it at least seems like he's going to start on Saturday. And that's obviously very good news for Miami. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I always say, I'll believe it when I see it. I always say that. Right. About Manny says he's going to start. Oh, we saw him work with the ones uh, in that 20 minute window. We saw well, yesterday. We did. We did. My, my, my concern is his uh, stamina. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the bigger, that, that's what I was kind of getting at. We know it seems clear he's going to start. The question is how close is he to 100%? And I'm not even necessarily saying like, we don't know if he had an injury or if it was a coach. Like we literally don't know anything about why he missed time in camp. Um, right. Could have been a personal re- You know, we just don't know. Um, so I'm not even saying a hundred, when I say a hundred, how close to hundred percent, I don't even mean his health and all that. I mean, his stamina, you know, normally your left right. tackle plays every single snap. Um, will he be able to do that? I think is a, is a fair question considering how much time he missed in camp. Yeah, uh, for sure. We're all wondering about the line. Lots of questions about the line that is, you know, supposedly there's one of their strengths. So uh, that's going to be so crucial in this game. And I don't know. I have, I, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a pessimist. Um, you know, hoping for the best. I just, you know, between wondering if people might be suspended and wondering about Zion's stamina level, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, the O-line, it needs to have the depth. That's one of the, that's one of the strengths of this line of this unit that, you know, is that it does finally have depth and yeah. their experience. Yeah. Even with John Campbell out for the year, they have eight guys who have started games in college between the five starters, Zion, um, Donaldson, Gaynor. um, Well, I guess Jalen Rivers has not started, but will start on um, Saturday and he will be eight. Um, 
then obviously DJ Scaife Jr. right now uh, ran with the ones when we saw what we, from what we saw in practice. Yeah, well, maybe that's that's a good sign, right? Um, yeah, and then obviously sign. Jared Williams off the bench. Um, Jakai Clark, who is, is apparently good to go and listed as the backup center. Um, and then Justice Oluwasen, um, who transferred from UNLV, started games at UNLV, obviously different level going from UNLV to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. but is a guy who has started games. So even with Campbell out, they, they, you're right. They have a lot of depth, um, which means Miami is pretty well suited to make up for Zion. If he can only play 85% of the snaps in the game rather than a hundred percent. Yeah. But 85% is still a lot. It's still I, a lot. Right. Sure about that, And I'm not sure about Ja'Kai Clark being ready either. I don't think yeah. he's I, I, th- I mean, I think they would not would like to not have to use him, obviously, right? Yeah, and, uh, he, you know, had, and he had shoulder, he had, I think, major shoulder surgery, and, yeah. and you know, after the spring game. The only and, way he would get in would be a, a gainer injury, probably. And then even then, would they go with him, or would maybe Lawrence Seymour would get, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fair right. question what would happen. Yeah, I, I just don't, I have my doubts about Ja'Kai Clark, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, what do you think of, you know, the, we met, I mentioned it, that uh, Scape is over at right tackle. Um, you kind of hinted at it, but, uh, you know, and I think we talked about it last week or the week before. Yeah, we did. Uh, was arrested um, for uh, p- uh, possession of a weapon, um, concealed. Uh, I guess did not have the permit for it. Right. Those were dropped, um, which is worth noting. And now apparently he does have that permit to carry that concealed weapon. Um, so we don't know his status. Manny today uh, said he would not comment on any potential suspensions, but, but obviously um, that possibility is lingering out there. Um, but anyway, he is, he looks like he's going to be there at right tackle. Again, he's at the top of the depth chart. We saw him there in the, in the little window of practice we saw yesterday running with the ones uh, and Jared Williams who ran at with the ones at right tackle to start camp. And then when uh, Zion, um, missed time, slid right over to left tackle, still playing with the first team. Um, now that Zion's back, he goes back down to the second team. Uh, did that surprise you? Um, n- not necessarily. If the, if, because DJ Scape is, is definitely talented. You know, he's good. I think he was their offensive player of the year two years ago. If I, I mean, that was a really bad offensive season, obviously. But like <laughs> worth noting. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's definitely talented and, um, they like him at tackle. They, they yeah, not necessarily, su- not necessarily surprises me because I have a feeling he's going to play a lot more than, uh, than anybody thinks. Yes. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, I, 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 I do think, well, I guess it depends if they're like really, really holding up well. Okay. But, you know, um, Miami has this fast, you know, this, this fast yeah. pace, no hurry offense. I, they're going to be winded that first game and going against Alabama. I mean, just the pure excitement level and just the crowd and the noise and the, everything else, their adrenaline is going to be going way more than usual. The opening game, I mean, Bama, national, t- everything, no matter what they say. Um, I, I they're going to need people to rotate in. I think. Yeah, and, and Jared Williams is clearly positioned to be the the top guy to rotate in. 
for sure. Yeah, third ta- whoever that third tackle was going to be, whether it was going to be Jared or Scaife, yeah. was positioned to be that. And, you know, Scaife as the third, as the sixth lineman, I think makes sense because he has a lot of experience at guard. But um, if you're going to kind of roll with this group, I think um, Jared Williams kind of makes sense because he has worked a lot at both tackle spots this year, right? So, like, let's say, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's say Zion plays 65% of the offensive snaps, right? Um, because of conditioning or whatever. Um, you know, Jared plays that other 45%. And then he also can play 15% of snaps at right tackle, like to give DJ Scape a break. You know, like he's, he's got that ability to, to play either of those spots. And I think worked enough at both spots to kind of fill in in those spots in a pinch. And obviously he's, you know, one of the oldest guys on his roster uh, played the whole year at right tackle last year. Um, you know, he, he's experienced and, and I think he's up to doing that. Um, and like you said, uh, Miami might need that against Alabama, especially. Yeah. In sure. And I, and by the way, it would be 35% if the other guy plays 65. Yeah. Sorry. 35. And then. I know you're better at math than I am. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's that's about it. That'll be a big, big question uh, coming into this game. And we'll yeah. learn. A lot. Yeah, it's the biggest. We'll, we'll talk about this more when we get into the preview, but um, it will be the test for this offensive line that is coming in with a lot of expectations. You know, Alabama is obviously going to be the toughest taste, test they face all year unless they maybe get Clemson in the ACC championship. Um, but it's going to be a, you know, Zion, it's going to be, you know, Zion Nelson is um, a potential first round draft pick, obviously. Right. And um, unfairly or not, if he gets abused this, this weekend, that teams are going to hold that against him uh, in the scouting process. Or if he dominates then we're going to see him vault way up in, obviously uh, some of these mock drafts as the year goes on. Um, Any other uh, big takeaways from uh, the depth chart this week? I've got a couple listed out here. Um, I wrote about the, the overhauled front seven, both when the depth chart came out and actually today, um, right. int- you know, not, not a whole lot of surprises there. I don't think necessarily it was clearly trending to Keontra Smith and, uh, Corey flag jr. As the two starting linebackers. Um, that's not a surprise. Obviously Jafari Harvey starting at defensive end. I think that looked pretty clear. Uh, Zach McLeod beats out. DeAndre Johnson for the other spot, a little interesting. Um, Which I, I, I got that feeling anyway. They kept talking about Zach, yeah. Zach, you know, the scrimmage, everything else. You just, yep. yeah. Um, I, defensive tackle, obviously pretty established there. Uh, they've got John Ford, Jared Harrison Hunt, and Nesta Jade Silvera, all as co-starters there with, with Jordan Miller as the fourth guy in that rotation. Um, and then... Uh, the other surpri- sort of surprise is Amari Carter beating out uh, Gilbert Frierson at striker. And, and I wrote about it today. The interesting thing there is uh, three of those starters are in new positions this year and they've all moved up. So um, Miami talked a lot about overhauling the speed. Well, one of their defensive ends is a converted linebacker. One of their linebackers is a converted, uh, really a converted safety from when he first got to campus and their striker, which is basically a linebacker, obviously is a converted safety. Right. So uh, they definitely, they're, they're sacrificing some of that size, but they're going all in on that speed. Yeah, and I, I think uh, that the what you said about Nesta Silvera, um, he's I know they're oars, right? Oh. They're oars, but isn't he listed as like the third 
He is so like it's one one defensive tackle spot is Ford or Silvera and one is Harrison Hunt or Silvera. Yeah, so to me, I know how these coaches work. That that's I mean it's or but the guy on top is the Yeah, yeah. that means he's probably third in the rotation. Yeah, um, which is kind of no surprising, right? A little like, bit. Well, you know, cuz Ford, I've always thought of Ford as like a kind of a lock cuz he's the big guy, right? He's like your kind of nose. Yeah. And then Right. Harrison Hunt or Silvera is like your smaller, quicker pass rush type guy. And Nesta is, you know, I guess better suited to potentially play that nose spot. I know he's, I guess, short for a defensive tackle, but he's definitely like got the whip. Um, you know, like I, I think it was a little surprising, but, um, you know, Jared Harrison Hunt's really good. I've been really high on Jared Harrison Hunt. Uh, yes, he's a good athlete. Campus. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of think Ford was. Uh, was basically a lock to start because again, he is kind of brings a unique skill set. It was him. He and Jordan Miller, are kind of the nosy type guys. Um, and then I thought it was going to be between Nesta and Harrison Hunt basically for that other starting job. But again, like as uh, Jess Simpson eight. said on Monday, they're going to play eight guys pretty. And I would guess, you know, Chance Williams might be a cut below the rest. We just haven't seen him at all. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I think those eight guys will pretty much all play pretty equal number of snaps. And yeah. we'll obviously, like, whoever's playing best will be in the field. But, like, I don't think they're going into the game, like, saying that, thinking that DeAndre Johnson is, like, the clear third in the rotation. I think by the third series, if DeAndre Johnson looks way better than Jafari Harvey, he's going to be the guy going for, like, they're, they're going to they're gonna adjust on the fly, I'm sure. Yeah, which is going to be different. It'll be different from last year, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way different. Especially the defense. You know, the defensive tackles rotated a lot last year, but yeah, defensive ends. They're gonna have a. They're gonna have a rotation. They're gonna have to, and they'll see. They'll see how, how it's going, and how those guys are looking and stuff. I think they're gonna really have to play by ear for that one. Yeah. As the year goes on, maybe someone will emerge. But yeah, like you're, you're, you got to dead on. Just they're gonna have to play by ear. They gotta. They gotta find guys right now. Yeah. Um, uh, Al Blades Jr., uh, listed on the depth chart at cornerback, but we saw him at uh, safety in practice on Tuesday. Manny Diaz said he's kind of in that safety slash nickel dime role. He was fourth on the depth chart at cornerback. They've got uh, Tyreek Stevenson to Corey Couch and Al Blades, uh, basically all listed as co-starters. Yep. Um, or Sorry, DJ Ivy, not Al Blades. Al Blades listed as kind of the backup, I think, at both spots, uh, I guess. Um, kind of makes sense, though, especially, you know, with Brian Balaam out for the year and, and Avante Williams out for at least six weeks after getting reinstated. Um, that's Blades probably, you know, that that's his best path to the field. And, um, you know, I've, I've, he's always kind of had – well, obviously his dad was a great safety. Um, so right. he's got the genes, certainly. And, you know, he's always, he's always, always had that safety build. You know, it's not like he's a skinny corner like a – Yeah, and it looks like he's a thicker, doesn't it? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's always been a really, really good athlete. Um, yeah. So it, it kind of makes sense. Um, and again, he'll like. I'm sure he'll be the dime back, right? When they've got six DBs on the field, um, mm-hmm. they'll play two safeties and all four corners at least to start. You know, I, I like some of those freshman safeties, obviously, but they're freshmen. Yeah, I and and remember Al. You know, was I had a lot of, you know. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of medical issues the last yeah, year. Myocarditis. Myocarditis and then yeah. an injury. 
some kind of stress fracture that they never really said what it was. So, uh, you know, he's definitely kind of, you know, pretty recently worked his way in. Yeah. So he hasn't been work. I mean, he has been working out, I think a lot, but as far as practicing with the team full go fairly recent, right? Yeah, I think since I think at the start of camp he was limited. Obviously, it seems like he's, he's good to go now. So um, yeah, yeah, he'll get on the field, but it was always going to be an uphill battle for him, I think, to get in the starting lineup. Um, so this is a good way to, to kind of take advantage of his versatile skill set and uh, get him on the field a little bit and get a little older at safety uh, with Amari Carter moving up to striker. Although Manny did say we could see Amari at, at safety a little bit too. You know, they're gonna they're gonna rotate a lot on defense. Is the big at least early on, that's that's the big takeaway. You know, they got Gilbert Frierson on the bench. Like he's he's good. Like they can play Amari at safety. They can put Frierson in at striker. Um, you know, both the backup linebackers, Bradley Jennings, Wayman Steed, have played games. Um, like I said, you know, they've got four corners basically with starting experience. Um, and the only spot where there's like where the bench has no experience is that safety spot where they've got two freshmen, uh, Cam Kinchins and James Williams listed as the backups. Uh, speaking of freshmen, I think the other, the big takeaway from the uh, initial depth chart is, um, well, first of all, the freshmen who are on it, as I mentioned, Williams and, and Kinchins, uh, Elijah Arroyo winning that backup tight end job, as we kind of all expected. Um, Jake Garcia, obviously, in that co-backup quarterback spot. Um, I think we both think that TVD is probably the real number two, but obviously it's going to be a competition all year long. Um, and then obviously Andres Borregalis, who I noticed is listed as Andy Borregalis on the depth chart uh, as the starting <laughs> kicker. Again, not surprising. Uh, that was basically a lock since the moment he stepped on campus. Um, but the guy's missing the three amigos, the three freshman wide receivers, Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, Brashard Smith, uh, and Leonard Taylor, uh, the other five-star in the class, along with James Williams, uh, not on the initial depth chart. Um I think the way, you know, if Miami was going to do the thing where they listed like nine wide receivers, then those freshmen were going to get on it. Or if they were going to list like six defensive tackles, then Leonard Taylor was going to be on it. But the way they did it, where they really stuck to a two deep at pretty much every spot, um, made it kind of inevitable because those are two of the potentially deeper positions on the field. Hold on. Say a... uh... Somebody just sent me something important. Okay. And I, I, I zoned out. No, you're fine. Okay. What was that? What was that last thing? I'm sorry. Um, I'll start it over. Three. No. no, no, I'll start over like the last sentence. Three, two, one. The way the Miami laid out the depth chart where they really went too deep at basically every position um, made it kind of inevitable that, that the three amigos and, and Leonard Taylor were going to kind of get left off this initial depth chart just because those are two potentially the deepest positions on the field oh for sh- no doubt about it uh i mean there are a lot of receivers uh Mark pope didn't even make the 2d let- obviously he started pretty i think every game last year yeah and well leonard you know leonard taylor they, they kind of said that he needs to um you know he just needs to keep learning yeah. uh and, you know, and he will progress. His, his talent is definitely there, but I, I don't think he's ready uh, mentally as far as the, the playbook or whatever it is. Um, but, and the, and the receivers, just like you said, 
I think they're really, really talented, but the same thing. They've got to get down the play, the plays more, probably the, the route, route running, maybe, I don't know, a more. Uh, um, and I, I think we'll see a lot of them in the future. I think yeah. they're just bringing them along slowly. Yeah, I think all three of them, uh, maybe not Jacoby George, just because it seems like he's going to play the slot. And obviously um, Miami's got Mike Harley, Xavier Estrepo, and, and now Mark Pope, I guess, is playing. Right. He's kind of the third stringer in the slot, it sounds like. Jacoby George might not get on the field too much just because of his position. But, yeah, Romello Brinson, um, yeah, I'd be shocked if we don't see him play in a meaningful game at some point this year. And um, same with Rashard Smith, who – uh, it's probably a slot guy, but I, I've always thought it's notable that, um, you know, Brett Lashley was the lead recruiter on two players in, in this most recent recruiting class. And they were Jake Garcia and Brashard Smith. Like he has a plan for Brashard Smith, who's, who's maybe the fastest guy on this team, um, you know, to use him as kind of like a Percy Harvin type, maybe. So um, both those guys and then Leonard Taylor, obviously, like, uh, you know, he wasn't in 15 or 20 practices. He was not going to pass. Uh, the four guys ahead of him. Um, but by the end of the year, he might, because um, again, he's <laughs> yes. good. Yes. Cannot wait to see him. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we will come back uh, with our Alabama preview. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we are back. Um, Obviously, a lot of different places we can start. Um, let's start though with what I wrote, uh, today, obviously this will be up to, up up by the time all of you are looking at it, um, or listening to this, I should say. Uh, and that is, you know, it's probably the ultimate, we talked about at the top, the front seven is probably the biggest question about this team all year, right? That's going to be the difference between, is this team like a eight win, nine win team and, or can this team get to the ACC championship? Um, how good that front seven is. And, and they obviously uh, get thrown right into it against Alabama who, you know, lose all but two offensive linemen from last year, but uh, their, their guys average like six foot four and a quarter and 320 pounds or something like, you know, they're, they're huge. And as we noted at the top, Miami is, is pretty small up front, which right. I think for like the long-term plan of this season is, not an issue. Um, there's a difference between Alabama size and ACC coastal size. And, um, and I think, you know, the emphasis of speed over size is, is generally smart, but um, if there's one team that can expose those 
that particular weakness, uh, it's, it's going to be Alabama uh, with, you know, Evan Neal, their left tackle is a preseason kind of consensus first team All-American, uh, potential top five pick. And, you know, Emil Ekior, their right guard, is another guy who's kind of got that some of that All-American uh, preseason buzz. And, um, yeah, they're, they've, they've got the personnel up front that um, one can expose Miami's uh, lack of experience in the pass rush. And then two just could potentially bully Miami uh, and, and it's relative lack of size up front. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, like that's the way this game could just be over in, in four minutes. If it's just clear that my aunt, that they're like that Alabama is just going to be able to run for like seven yards every play. Yeah. That's, that's kind of scary to think about, but it's, it's very true. And, you know, Alabama, you know, lost all those first rounders. Yeah. Right. Heisman Trophy finalist Mac Jones, Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith, receiver, uh, starting running back Najee Harris, uh, receiver Jalen Waddell, uh, three, like you said, three starting offensive linemen uh, to the NFL. But um, you know, they've got a they've got a quarterback. You're right about running, and they've got a quarterback who can run. Yeah. Good hand off this uh, Bryce Young, five star. He was number one in the country out of high school, and he played last year. Um, yeah, you know, I mean they they blow a lot of teams out, so he gets a lot of playing time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He played in nine games last season. He only threw twenty two passes, but he completed fifty nine percent of them uh, for a touchdown. I I'm not sure he had. I don't think he had any interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I you're right. It comes down to if they if they manhandle Miami's defense, you know, if the uh, offensive line. Uh, I, I mean, my, Miami will be in trouble. Yeah, and yeah. I I think I the only way Miami uh, or the best the best path I think unless there are a lot of turnovers that happens in the first game for Miami to win this game is offensively. Yeah, well, that's the way – what I was kind of thinking is the recipe for an upset is obviously for Miami to score a lot, um, but then they also need to get those Bryce Young turnovers, right? Like, if you're just going across the board and you're like, where does Miami have an edge on Alabama? Um, you know, Bryce – for all we know, Bryce Young is going to have a Heisman caliber season. Like, that's a very plausible outcome. Um, but on paper, one of the places where Miami should have an edge is quarterback. And – Bryce Young, like you said, his first career start coming. Um, has you know he's got John Mechie and Jaleel Billingsley and a bunch of other guys who are going to be first round picks one day. But for the most part, their offense offense is pretty inexperienced. Um, and if Bryce Young turns the ball over three times or whatever, then all of a sudden Miami's in in pretty good shape, especially because De'Ara King. Um, you know, one of the real hallmarks of what made him great last year was he did not turn the ball over a lot. Um, I know. So Miami needs to keep playing that efficient offense um, and basically hope that Bryce Young's inexperience uh, rears its ugly head a couple of times. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, you know, Miami, De'Ara King has got to be De'Ara King. Yes. He's got to be. It needs to be like the good, you know, there were different levels of De'Ara King last year, right? Like early in the year, he was really good, but it's not like he was like, he didn't look like an All-American or anything. He just looked like a really good quarter, you know, second-team All-ECC quarterback, third-team All-ECC quarterback. 
Um, but, you know, if, if he looks like D.R. King against NC State last year or like I guess Louisville um, was, was one of his other big games, right? Like he had a couple of those moments last year where he looked like a Heisman caliber quarterback. Oh, yeah. For and, sure. And that's what they need to spring the upset. They don't need just average Derek King. They need all caps Derek King. Uh, no doubt. And, you know, they need receivers who aren't going to drop the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, um, and, and Cam Harris running back, yeah. uh, to, um, you know, to come through, to be able to, to because he did in the beginning of last season, um, he was great. And then, uh, towards the end of this, you know, towards the middle, I guess. Yeah. Right? He was good in the, the, the end, right? So like, yeah. To most of it. And even at the end, I mean, I know we had some, some, he's, had some good catches. He has good hands, but um, they really, um, yeah, they got to be able to run the ball. They've got to be able to run the ball. So Derek, cause they're going to come after Derek big time. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, that's, you know, we, we mentioned it at the top, but that is the, the scary outcome, right? Like, yes. the, like I said, there's the one outcome. Well, the scary outcome is Derek gets hurt. Like that's the, you know, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare scenario. You know, there's the one outcome where Miami just can't stop Alabama and they lose big because of that. And that's like, all right, that's what we expect. There's the one outcome, obviously, where uh, it's like a shootout and Miami loses that way. And it's like, all right, there we go. Um, I know, you know, moral victory time. Um, There's obviously the outcome where Miami pulls off the upset. But then there's also the outcome where we talked about at the top, this offensive line that is supposedly fixed. And I think we both have a lot of confidence in um, and, you know, could very well be awesome in ACC play. There is the outcome where they're just like not up to the task of stopping Alabama that still has an awesome front seven. Um, you know, Will Anderson is a preseason all American. They've got like, seven linebackers who could be like first or second round picks in the next oh, they're really good linebackers they have a good yeah they have a really good defense yeah like there it is possible that Miami just can't block them and that would obviously I don't want to say it's the nightmare outcome but that's the scary outcome where it's like how good is you know like that that's the outcome that reminds you how far away you are right that you have this offensive line that all of a sudden you think is really good and like I said, they could easily get manhandled by Alabama and then be really good in ACC play. But uh, True. they if you they could just get destroyed by Alabama, and that's supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. And that would be like – that would be a reminder of how far you still are from uh, – Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that. Yeah, I've been thinking about the same scenario. Yeah. You know, Especially but, because of Zion, we don't know his full status. And, uh, right. I, you just don't – like that O-line – you got to hope, you know, that everybody's healthy and everybody's whatever. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's worth noting the stat we keep throwing about, about the offensive line is more about the experience than like the accomplishments, right? Like other yes. than Zion, who is a projected potential first round pick, uh, no one else in that offensive line is really viewed as like an NFL, a major NFL prospect. And, you know, none of them have really been like all conference performers either. So like we're, you're really banking on like, the continuity um, and the experience and just like, you know, Jared Williams is a grown man, like that kind of thing. Like you're banking on that paying off more than like going into the season with thinking you have like three potential all Americans on the offensive line. 
True, and you're also hoping that Rhett Lashley has a really good game plan. Yes, which I'm sure he will. Me too. Especially in year two. I mean, that's that's the one. That's the other. That's the the other potential way you pull off the upset is just that, like, the, as you mentioned, that the offense is just incredible in year two, um, because you know last year the offense was really good. Uh, I think maybe even better than like the numbers indicate because, you know, they didn't have a cupcake to beat up on and all that, but then also just because like they didn't really have an off season and uh, now the rat's been around for 20 months or whatever, and has had time to really put in his scheme with a full off season, a full spring, all that stuff, a full season, obviously. So, um, you know, it is possible that offense, cranks it up another notch, not just because uh, they bring all these guys back, but um, because all these guys are back in the same system. Derek likes to keep saying this is like the first time he's ever had an offensive coordinator for two straight years. That's yeah, um, amazing, right? Which it's pretty yeah, crazy. Um, but it is like that, that that's the, the fun possibility, right? That this offense is just one of the, like truly one of the best in the country. Like that is a possibility. Yeah, that would be really great. And um, and maybe it would also be fun to see a trick play here or there. Yeah, they'll have it. They'll have it up their uh, sleeves. Their They're awesome, right. That won't they have something? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the other thing. Like we we had not seen a lot of practice. Obviously, you know it's pretty standard operating procedure for a college football team. Um, I don't know. Is there a uh, like what you you had me thinking of this like. What is something they could have up their sleeve that we just have no idea about? Is there something that you've been thinking, like, I don't know, they might just be totally hiding from us? Yeah, so let's see. Who's who's a, on that team, Who's who played quarterback in high school? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Rashard Smith is the one I would throw out there. He's not going to, like, throw necessarily, but, like, I could see him being on the field more than we expect for, like, jet sweeps and, like, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. Ha- I definitely would not have a freshman do a trick club play. Well, I'm not saying. Yeah, that's. I don't think he's gonna throw, but I think he might be in motion a lot. Like that. That would not surprise me. This again. This is a prediction based on nothing. Um, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Charleston Rambo, maybe. Charleston Rambo. Yeah, why not? That could be it. Yeah, one of one of the veterans, right? Yeah, I mean. I- Maybe Elijah Arroyo is just like really good. Like that's another possibility, right? Like they've been talking about it, but maybe yeah. he's just like really good. And they run uh, two tight ends a lot. Uh, yeah, they, they said they'll run. They have no qualms with running two tight ends. Yeah. Boy, really, they're really uh, praising that guy. Yeah. Like, so he, he's very impressive. He's, he's going to be a star, I think. Yeah. Uh, last couple, last couple things I have one. Uh, what are the spots on the field where you think Miami might have the edge? We mentioned quarterback. Is there anywhere else where you feel like Miami could have an edge? Hmm. Special teams? Maybe. I don't. Got the best punter in the country. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, Miami's obviously hoping he doesn't have to get on the field at all, but. Maybe Lou Headley will do a trick play. Maybe. I can see that. I can see that too. Good athlete, obviously played Aussie rules football. <laughs> I, I could definitely see that. Lou Hadley's so good. I'm really looking forward to maybe, maybe Andy Borgales. I mean, 
is under pressure. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that. I don't, I mean, Miami's not going to have the advantage. I don't see it on defense at all. Um, I, I just, I don't see it. I, yeah, that, that's a problem. The quarterback is the one spot and that's obviously a big one. Quarterback and maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Running back, maybe. I mean, Alabama's always got great running backs. Um, yeah, I maybe maybe running back. Um, tight uh, end. Alabama's got a really good tight end though, too. Yeah. Billingsley. They've lost receivers. I mean, maybe maybe a receiver, maybe Rambo. I you know Rambo looks really good. Yeah. Um, so it's it, I I just don't see it being anywhere other than what you said special teams maybe and you know special teams on um you know on like returning um punt returning kickoff like Mike Harley and uh is listed as a starting kickoff returner with Xavier but I'm not sure about Xavier I'll have to see how he does you know in those pressure situations but um that's going to be, we didn't really talk about special teams much. That's going to be really important f- field position. I mean, yeah, that's why Miami lost to Florida, obviously, a couple of years ago. <laughs> they couldn't make a freaking field goal. Like right. a chip shot kick. Yeah, and also, and also, what, did they fumble some punt returns or whatever? So, yeah. Yeah, so, that was ugly. Yeah, I mean, if it's a closed game, obviously, it could come down to that. But if it's the shootout we expect, then it becomes a little less important but obviously um you know big spot for andy borgalis to make his debut yeah for sure hey listen I, you know alabama right now as of today i mean it's it changes a little but the point spreads about 19 and a half points yeah and it's been climbing that's kind of so asking me where i see my is <laughs> you know yeah it's just interesting that quarterback is kind of the one spot right where like miami is a huge underdog Yet, I think like 98% of people you asked who had the better quarterback would say Miami. Well, yeah. I mean, who has the better only because the other kid hasn't played much. Right, and that's the interesting thing is that there is still a possibility that Alabama has the better quarterback if Bryce Young is everything he's hyped up to be. I mean, we have not – Awesome. We see a lot of we see a lot of redshirt freshmen in the Heisman brace these days. Like it's not crazy to think that Bryce Young is incredible. Right, right, exactly. And there's no um there's no denying that you know that Derek is great. Yeah. Really, but, yeah, no, it's not even a slight against Derek, but it's possible this is two of the top five quarterbacks in college football in the field on um, true on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not saying it's likely. Again, we we have like this is based on nothing but hype for Bryce Young, but it's a possibility. So you think uh, you think Miami will cover? Um, they could. They could. Nineteen's pretty big, especially but- if it's a twenty, and then you get like a nice round number, like. That feels about what it'll be, right? And that's 17. Like, that's why the line is there, 17 to 20. I think it's more likely that Miami gets just, like, blown out, though, than, like. Good. That could happen. I I think what's – I think it depends on how tired they get 
I think the tackling is going to be key. Well, they got to, and they got to start fast. That's been a big topic this week is, uh, you know, all their terrible losses last year or all three of their losses, right? Like Clemson, they were down pretty big quickly. Um, North Carolina, obviously they were down big quickly and, and, and Oklahoma State, State, they were down 21, nothing in like 10 minutes. Yeah. It was amazing. I that was scary. Like then, if they can avoid that, then, then it can be a game, but that's then, obviously a lot easier said than done. Like that happens sometimes because you screw up, but it also happens because Alabama's like Alabama. <laughs> right. And, and let's not forget that this game is being played in Atlanta. And I just looked it up. It's a three hour drive from Tuscaloosa. Yeah. It's going to be like 80% Alabama fans. probably. Oh yeah, It's going to be crazy. Alabama. Poor UM. It's like when they went to the ACC championship and like, you thought all these Miami fans were going to get hyped and finally show up for the game. And, and they did, but it still was like 75% Clemson yeah, because it, because it was in Charlotte. It's it just, just like a, right. How about that? Well, no, they had a lot of people. The Florida it, game. Yeah. Well, that was probably more like 65%. And that's just like Florida's a way bigger school, way more alumni than Miami. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. Are really good. I guess they just, you know, all these games are close to SEC country. Yeah. And again, they're just, you know, Miami, it's a smaller fan base just because it's a private school and, um, yeah. you know, it's a much smaller alumni uh, base than, than these big SEC public schools. And, um, and, you know, Miami's a big city, but like there's a difference between people who like, you know, it's Florida has generations and generations of fans. Whereas Miami, like you got your local, you got your, your big, you know, you got your local fans, your big city. Like you got, you got a lot of fans just because of that. But then also obviously a lot of people who live in a city, you know, there's a lot of Florida fans in Miami too. There's a lot of Florida state fans in Miami. There's a lot of, uh, you know, people from other parts of the country that like, I, I know Miami is a big city and there's a lot of people that root for Miami, but it's just, it's just different than these SEC fan bases. So they're, uh, as you know, they're a big, uh, loud, um, passionate fan base, but they are smaller comparatively to these, these schools they, they have to play against. So can you imagine if they win that game? Now, if they win this game, <laughs> then. They're going to uh, see a really loud bunch. Yeah. Then uh, that first game, um, what's the, is it App, App State is the first home game? I think yeah, State is and that game um, that normally would probably just be a typical, uh, you know, Miami Saturday, whatever game. I, I think it's Miami <laughs> Alabama. There's going to be a lot of bandwagon hurricanes fans in the building. Yeah. I, um, you know, they're, they're allowing everybody in. So um, I, I, there are no stipulation. I mean, you have to, I think, I think they, they want masks, right? Actually, actually, I mean, definitely in like a enclosed areas or whatever. But I, I would think out in the crowd, you might be fine. In this game, they already announced they're going to open the roof at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and and fans do not have to, they don't have to wear masks if they don't want to. Um, we're going to be in the press box. We have to wear masks. Right. Yeah, if you're like in a box or whatever, you have to wear. Yeah, if you're not in open air, so uh, you know. Hard life, it's the same thing, right? They open it up, so I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, it'll be up. It'll be up to the dolphins, I think, technically, right? I'm sure they'll. Yeah. The rules. So. Let's see how many people show up. 
Yeah, if, I, don't, I don't know if we've gotten official uh, policies yet. I'm sure we'll get that in the next week. Um, and and David, I should also say that we might we haven't heard anything other than Manny talking about COVID and stuff because we all ask him about it, you know, every now and then. We haven't heard anything about if any canes. I don't know if there's any COVID things going yeah. on. And two again, we were out there on Tuesday. Obviously, there's quite still quite a few days between then and when the game starts. But Miami seemed to be pretty much full strength. Like I was, you know, I didn't do my like checklist of who everyone is and was everyone there. But you know, I was scanning and would have noticed probably if some really notable guys were not out there. And yep. they seem to be in good shape. But obviously, again, a lot can change between Tuesday and Saturday. So. Let's hope not. You know, Miami got over that 85% vaccination, right? Or at least is like more than 85% has gotten a shot. So that's obviously good. It's productive. Yes. It helps the team. I know some, some, some of the guys haven't, but um, yeah, just hopefully everybody stays healthy. Yeah. Um, All right. Before we wrap up, um, Susan, you wrote a good story uh, earlier this week. Uh, recapping the history of the Miami-Alabama rivalry. Uh, obviously, don't give it all away because we want people to go uh, read it, but uh, give, give us a couple quick nuggets. What, what, what right. well, you, you had fun reporting this story, it sounded like. I did. I, my, favorite, my favorite part was the beginning. Yeah, the uh, lead. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the mask, you know, Sebastian, the Ibis mascot yeah. uh, for many years. Um, I didn't even know that. I mean, this was a thing. It was this the same Sebastian who like got arrested? Yes. Yes. Okay. He's great. He's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the, the Sebastian. He's, he's the ultimate mascot. And he was, yeah. he was also, a, um, you know, Bernie. And um, I love Bernie. His nose is a basketball. <laughs> and he's the he heat's was, mascot. Yeah, he was. I think he. I do. I Billy Marlin, right? Wasn't that your? Was he Billy Marlin? Maybe he wasn't Bernie, actually. Oh no! I think you mentioned Billy Marlin in his story. I know he was definitely Billy Marlin, and so anyway, he got shot in the face. Yeah. On New Year's Eve, the night before the last time Alabama and Miami played, which is absolutely amazing. It was New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety-two. They played January first, nineteen ninety-three. For the national championship in New Orleans, right? In New Orleans, and John is just walking with all these cheerleaders and like people from you know the Miami party kind of thing, and uh, he feels like a burning or whatever in his face. He feels and he touches it, and there's like blood pouring down, and it, it it's absolutely amazing. And they all of a sudden the cheerleaders start screaming. He told me, and um, they look, and a stray bullet hit him right on the right side of his head near his eyelash near his uh, temple and then it, it and then exited out towards his cheek and when it was coming down it like burned his chest also it's amazing to me the guy got yeah. shot in the face in the head and and then and he went to the hospital and the next day he was at the game with that big big thing on your head that big ibis head can you imagine that? After I know he's in the UM Hall of Fame, but we got to get him in like the College Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
So, uh, but but I talked to Dennis Erickson again and um, love that guy. Uh, and he said he's going to be sitting in his big armchair in his house watching the game. He he had the he had that first national championship win uh, as coach. Um, in the first the time before that, then my that Miami and Alabama played in after uh, New Year's Eve night, uh, not New Year's Eve, January first, nineteen ninety. Um, and he won that game, and Miami won that national championship. But um, He's very excited about that game. And by the way, uh, they're going to be in. They're going to be in Miami for the September 18th Michigan State game. That team. Oh, they're cool. they're, they're honoring them. Commemorate the 30th anniversary of the 1991 team. 1991, not the one that played Alabama. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I talked to a lot of guys. Carlos Huerta. I talked to the starting kicker and. Uh, Greg Mark, defensive end, you know, all Americans. They're all, they're all like all Americans. Yeah. It's just great stories. They're all a little nervous about the game, actually. But Dennis Erickson, no, Dennis Erickson was very confident. He said, look, um, I'm not saying that Alabama's, Alabama is not going to win, okay? They're Alabama, okay? We know how good they are. But he said, I don't believe Miami is going to be blown out, he told me. He said, I just don't see it. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. So if you want a little trip down memory lane and uh, some good stories, be sure to check that out. Uh, I kind of, I like, I, I like the way Darren Dennis Erickson puts it. Like Miami obviously is going in hoping they're going to win, but the goal should be to just like play well and play the way they want to play. Right. You don't want to change who you are just to beat Alabama. You want to, you want to win the way that you want to play. And obviously uh, you know, if you if you play the way you're, you want to play well enough, then hopefully you beat Alabama in the process. Yeah, so. play, when something bad happens, they all said this. They all said this. When something bad happens, which it will, yep. um, not to crumble. Yep. And that has been probably the biggest problem with Miami football in the last uh, – oh, oh, over the years. last – yeah, over the last long time. Yeah. They just – now I have to say, and then well, this is probably running too long, but tell them we can go long. All right, with Manny Diaz's team more than uh, some of the like Al Golden's teams and all those teams, the, the other those teams seem to quit. I mean, totally quit. Right. Some people they would be losing, and then they the kids wouldn't even be at all into the game. Just it would be embarrassing on the sideline. I mean, this team to me seems like they have more heart. Um, well, they're old. I mean, it is. That's the one thing that I think, you know, I think maybe the experience stuff can get a little blown out of proportion, right? Like, it's kind of what we talked about with the offensive line. Like, experience only matters if your experience is good. But the one way that experience matters no matter what is that Miami on Saturday will have a team of 22 year olds, 23 year olds in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. 28-year-olds in Lou Henley's case, like, they're pretty much, I don't want to say grown men because they're still college kids and, you know, but, like, they're basically grown men at that point. And, like, you're a lot more mature at 22 or 23 than you are at 19 or 20. Like, the, obviously, those are big years. Um, and, like, that that's the one place where experience matters because mature, when you're mature and you're older and you're more experienced and you're wiser – 
you don't crumble in the same way, right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't mope in the same way. You don't pal. That's the, that, that's the, it's the mope factor. Right. And that, that's the one thing that the experience I think is like, that's the one place where it is basically guaranteed to manifest is that this team, you know, there'll still be guys that mope or whatever. It's, you know, again, it's a college football team with 90 scholarship players and a bunch of, uh, kids who are still not old enough to drink, but like there's going to be less of that than probably there has been in any year recently, even maybe including last year when they were a really mature team, I think. Yeah. I, and I think guys like Bubba Bola, Bubba Bolden and Mike Carter. Obviously Derek King. Derek, oh, they're going to be, when he's not on the field, he's going to be walking up and down. Yeah. Talking to yeah. the defense. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I'm pretty excited for Saturday. Uh, I'm excited to head up to Atlanta. Your first work trip in, oh no, you went to Charlotte. So your second work trip since yes. the pandemic started. Um, but we haven't been to a game. I don't know. No, right? Did we? Did, a road game. Yeah. Not a road game. Well, I mean, the last road game I went to was Florida State, I guess. Right. When Greg Rousseau had like a million sacks. <laughs> wow. That was long a time ago. Long time ago. Wow. So what was the bowl? Oh, no, we went to the Independence Bowl, right? Oh, the Independence Bowl. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. That uh, was this should be more fun than the Independence Bowl. Um, anyway, we are running way long. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at SMillerDegnan. Be sure to check out her uh, story about the history of the Miami-Alabama rivalry. Uh, she will also have... Uh, a preview, of course, for the Miami Alabama game coming uh, probably by the time you guys are listening to this. And um, her yeah, big uh, preseason story, I guess we can spoil it now because it will be out by the time everyone listens to this, but uh, about uh, obviously all these players coming back and how Derek King obviously kind of started this run it back movement that Miami hopes will uh, springboard them back to the ACC championship in 2021. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Obviously, had a lot of Miami coverage this week, uh, high school stuff. We got our, our football preview section coming out next week. So stories on in every uh, in every area of football in South Florida. So uh, go to MiamiHerald.com. Obviously, the Dolphins are coming. Um, so a lot, just a lot of a lot of sports going on. Obviously, it's that time of year again. Um, so yeah, just go to MiamiHerald.com. And um, Susan, you got anything else, or uh, ready to get to Atlanta? I'm ready. Hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll have a lot. I'm sure to talk about next week. Next week, yeah. And maybe if Miami wins, we'll we'll do a little emergency podcast. Only we'll, if they win, though. Only if they win. So that's that's another reason to root for Miami, I guess. Although we've done emergency ones when they've lost, like FIU. Yes, that's true. But I I can't yeah. I I guess there is a scenario where they could lose and we do one, but definitely a win, we'll do one. So. uh Let's finish it up there, though. Uh, Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Good luck, everyone.